0: Good morning, good evening, and good day. You're listening to Drama Buds, an anima podcast. So hello everyone. Welcome to today's episode of Drama Buds. It's another J-Drama Journey episode. Okay, let's workshop that name. If anyone has like a cuter segment name for me... Trying out, like, J-dramas or even, I don't know, I might try C-dramas someday. You know, yeah, hit me up. (laughs) Just tell me on Twitter or Discord or something, like, if you have something more creative than that, thank you. Anyway, yeah, I watched another J-drama, had some things to say about it. This is not as detailed as my usual reviews and recaps because... I wasn't taking notes or anything while I was watching it. I was just enjoying. So, yeah, uh, today I'm gonna talk about My Dear Exes or Omomeda, Towako, and her three ex husbands, which you can watch on Netflix. So, a yeah, basic synopsis or gist Towako is an architect and newly appointed CEO of the company she works for. She has a teenage daughter from her first husband. And her three ex-husbands are all just hanging around in her life in various ways. This seems like the setup to a really wacky comedy or, you know, a reverse harem where they're all trying to win her back. And there are hints of those. But at most, yeah, we have some wacky scenarios that toako gets into because she's so adorably awkward. And yeah, her exes try to express that they may still have lingering feelings for her, sure. But. Honestly, they spend most of the show getting close to each other and exploring new possible love interests. And the entire show really is yeah just about getting to know the characters and their relationships, especially with Toako. So, similar to Life's Punchline, which is the first J-Drama Journey episode I released, so go listen to that. And Quartet, which I also reviewed in the J-Dramas on Netflix episode back in Feb, I think. Yeah. Which, by the way, fun fact, this and Quartet have the same writer and the same two actors for Maki Maki and Beppu in Quartet. Anyway, sorry for the tangent. As <laughs> usual. So... Similar to those two other J-dramas, each episode of My Dear Exes focuses on one character in the ensemble. So in this case, we go into Tawako's relationships with her husbands, how they met, how they got divorced, and also Maki's friend. And for each of the husbands, they also each get potential new relationships. And let's say, okay, so the first episode is like an introduction to everyone, and then two, three, fours for each of the ex-husbands and even if each episode is mostly for the backstory of one character, the potential love interests of the other husbands, you also kind of see their story developing little by little. And just like Quartet, there's a big incident in the middle that changes the vibe or changes the pace of the show, and then we focus on Toako. The weird thing is that some of the characters that we, you know, we focused a lot on in the first half, they just They just vanish. They're not even given like maybe a subplot or some little storyline just to keep them relevant. No, no. If you're not relevant, you're out of the story. You're out of the show. And honestly, I love the second half more because Tohako is such a great female protagonist. But more on that later. Whole segment on her. I love her so, so, so much. Writing-wise, it has a lot of the, you know, the quirky characters and the banter that I've already seen in Quartet. Although banter is kind of a hit or miss for me, I'm very cautious of it because it tends to be maybe overindulgent. (laughs) Like the writer is having too much fun writing banter, but it's not actually that witty or that enjoyable to watch it. It's very much dependent on cast chemistry, on whether or not they're good at bouncing off each other. Life SpongeLine, the banter there, I loved it so much. I could watch whole episodes of them just talking to each other, just making jokes, just being witty and teasing each other. Because the cast chemistry is so good. Quartet, I mean, I also like their cast chemistry, but not as much as Life SpongeLine. And here, yeah, I don't <laughs> I don't like their chemistry all that much. But in general, you know, the characters are pretty lovable. like They have their quirks and their flaws and things that could make them annoying, but not hateable. You know, not obnoxiously annoying. Just, y- you understand. You understand the thin line between you're annoying because you're written that way and you're annoying and the writer doesn't seem to realize that they've written an annoying character. You can tell the difference. There's a difference. And it's on the the good side of that. Aside from the banter, there are... These moments of quiet. I don't know how to describe it. Just, you know, standard J-drama slice of life. They do this really, really well. And these very vulnerable conversations and monologues that feel like they're digging so deep into these characters and what makes them tick. And it's relatable because these characters feel so human, you know? It's a very quotable drama. And it's it's relatable but not in the, you know, the motivational mumbo-jumbo <laughs> that uh, many dramas are when you say it's a quotable drama. And I wouldn't say that all the monologues or dialogues hit the same way. Not all of them are god-tier, extremely relatable, or extremely hard-hitting, soul-crushing, fruit-tealing level of, you know, real, true-to-life. But there are some, I mean, I have to say, the Park Heyong monologues Especially the episode seven ones. Like If you see the two like, consecutive monologues in episode 7 that just feel, man, like, it feels like I am, I'm floating in space looking at the world from so far away <laughs> with all the perspective it has given me. Some of them are so good that I had to pause after and just let it sit with me. And that's how you know something is good when you want the moment to last instead of just wanting to you know get to the next part of the story. But I mentioned this earlier, I do have to criticize a little bit uh, how we spent a lot of time in the first half with the exes and their possible relationships. But spoiler alert, none of those pan out. N- nothing happens to any of the love interests. Partially, yes, it's because they have maybe some lingering feelings for Toako and for how their relationship ended, their marriage ended. But it's not just that. Like, honestly, the new love interests, they all have their flaws and stuff. I don't see any of those relationships working out with where the women were and where the exes were. I didn't really root for them. It's just frustrating because we spent four, five episodes on each of them only to have them completely vanish and never appear or be mentioned again after episode six. Now, I don't know if that's because they were trying to build the intrigue of if they don't end up with their love interests, does that mean they're all going to pursue Tawako again? I don't know if that was the intention. But uh, stepping back, I guess it's only frustrating if you think that the show is more about the exes and their stories, because, yeah, their stories don't really go anywhere in the second half. But if you focus on this as Towako's story and her relationships with her ex husbands being part of her story, then, yeah, everything is fine as long as we know how she feels about them or where their relationship stands. Moving on to finally dedicate the segment to Oma Twaho and how much I love her. I I do not keep track of my favorite female characters of all time, but she's definitely top five. I, I could maybe say top five. You know how a story about a woman being broken up with usually starts with them being so devastated over it and having to find their self-worth after the heartbreak, blah blah blah. Um what what are the recent examples of this? True to Love or Bora-Debora, I'm pretty sure at the start that was it. Another Oh Heyong, of course, we all know what that was like. These stories that focus on failed relationships often portray the woman as, you know, she feels unlovable, she feels like she can't find love again. And her journey is about you know finding self-worth while also, you know, opening her heart again to a possible new relationship. And yeah, those stories are okay. Uh, Those stories are important. I mean, God forbid a woman has feelings, you know? Let her feel what she needs to feel. And you'd think that with a character that's been divorced three times, that would be even more intense in this story. That's what you'd expect from this setup. But the thing is, Tawako doesn't need to find her self-worth again because she never loses it. She's not devastated by her divorces because They're failed marriages, sure, but she still has good relationships with all of them as individuals. And the journey isn't about, you know, she has to open up her heart again because she has never really closed herself off to new possible relationships. She's not here thinking, oh, it's just going to fall apart again, just like all my other relationships. She is so incredibly open to every person that comes into her life. Let's reframe the synopsis a little bit. She didn't just get divorced three times. She got married three times. She felt mutual interest in someone, mutual attraction. They opened their hearts to each other. They both saw the possibility of sharing their lives with each other, and they committed to that. And she gave her best in all of her marriages, and you'd think, oh, someone who's had three divorces, ah, she must be the problem, right? She's the common denominator here. But in the individual episodes focusing on the exes, we see that their marriages fell apart because of them. Not Toako. Like, they all say, you know, we have our flaws, we have our issues, and she's not the issue. She's perfectly fine. She did her best. And Toako also knows that. She doesn't let her three failed marriages get to her. She doesn't wear her divorced status like, you know, some scar that's meant to repel men from her. And the central question that her character deals with is, would you rather be independent or be cherished? Like, this is something her mother asked her as a child after she and Towako's father got divorced. And so, yeah, her mother was saying, maybe it's because I'm too independent, but, you know, that's the life I chose. How about you? Would you rather be an independent woman or would you rather be cherished? And as a kid, she answered, both of course everyone wants that everyone wants the freedom to be their own person but they also want to feel loved and cherished yes you can love yourself all you want but it's also nice to be loved it's also nice to have that kind of relationship and towako yeah she gets what she wants she experiences both she's independent then she's married and then independent again married again independent married again and independent once more And even if there's, you know, there is this general sentiment that being in a relationship is better than being single, better than being alone, she doesn't just jump into the next possible relationship that's available to her, nor does she backslide into getting back with one of her exes because the possibility is kind of there. The show outright says that they still love each other, you know, deeply. There's deep love there. And so even if she wants to find love again, because... It does get lonely. You know, she deals with a lot of major losses in life. And she is lonely. But jumping into a relationship just because she's afraid of being alone might just make her dislike herself. Like, she actually says this. And one of those monologues that made me pause and stop and think about that. Like, it's better to be alone rather than forcing yourself into a relationship out of fear of that. And then ending up resenting your partner, resenting yourself when you're the one who chose to do that. Even when you knew this isn't the answer, this is not going to fulfill you. And you know, you know who said something similar to that? You know where this is going. Yomi-Jong from my liberation notes has already talked about this. I swear. I swear when I was watching that uh, that dialogue, that conversation, I was like, I feel like I've seen this before. Because Yomi-Jong literally talked about repetitive relationships that you get into trying to find something to love about yourself, only to come out of them even more sure of how uh, unattractive or unlovable you are. Oh, Yomi-Jong once again. A round of applause to me, guys, for finding a way to make this about my liberation notes. <laughs> anyway. anyway, going back, going back, Toako does not fall into that trap because she doesn't need to. She has a very full life. She has deep relationships with her ex-husbands, her friend, her daughter, her father, her employees. She has a job that's not well-suited to her. She's better off as an architect and not really the CEO of a company. But, you know, she's doing her best. She has a routine. She has hobbies. She has a daughter who's in high school. And, yeah, that age has a lot of problems in itself. She's busy dealing with that. She has all her exes who are now suddenly becoming besties and hanging out. (laughs) She's also dealing with that. And she's not... You know, those types of characters that are always upbeat and peppy and they never feel down about anything. They're so outgoing. They're so perfect and well-adjusted. She's not like that, okay? Tuwako is awkward and she gets introspective. She gets lonely. She has her moments of weakness. She wants love too. And she deals with situations and losses that could break someone but not her for some reason. She feels her feelings and then she lets them pass through her. and. She doesn't resent people. She doesn't take things personally. She has a really good, you know, self-esteem there. I really want to be her. I rarely say this about a character, but I want to be her. Not in the three divorces, co-parenting with your ex-husband way. Not like that. But, you know, just to have, like, a good self-esteem. To not let resentment ruin your relationships with others and your relationship with yourself. To face situations and be like, okay, that sucks. I'll do something or I'll let it happen. And I won't let this, you know ruin how i see myself oh i want to be her and that's why she's one of my top 10 top 5 female protagonists of all time all forms of media all languages all countries because she has her flaws she has her moments of weakness but i don't find her you know journey to self-love preachy (laughs) or annoying or anyway i just admire her as she is So that's it for me today. I don't know if this is uh very convincing. <laughs> I don't know if I've convinced you to watch this. If you want a very light J-drama that has moments of death, has good characters, it's not as plotty as Quartet. That's why I think I enjoyed Quartet more because it managed, yeah, those interesting, intriguing characters and the mystery, the underlying mystery is, is what really got me engaged. In here, it's more... Yeah, very subdued, very relaxed. But overall, very pleasant watch. It has some dark moments, some very, very sad moments, but overall, very light experience. Similar K-dramas. Well, thinking of a female lead, she reminds me a bit of Nam Heng Son in Crash Course in Romance, which I did not finish, just a disclaimer. But you know, this female lead who does it all and is loved by the people around her and has deep relationships with everyone, kind of like that. And also Dr. Cha, which I also don't know if I'm going to finish. <laughs> yeah, that kind of female lead that you just can't help but root for. You just want her to get what she wants, to be happy, whatever that looks like, if that's Being with Roy Kim or just divorcing her cheating husband or being alone. I'm just happy for you, whatever you choose for yourself. And it also reminds me of B-Melo Dramatic, which now I'm thinking B-Melo might be the closest K-Dramas have gotten to capturing j drama slice of life magic. I really want to rewatch B-Melo and appreciate it more. Because I think, you know, the, the story structure and how individual episodes kind of have one theme, I guess, or one topic, or one focus on a character. I really think that's very J-drama of, of b Mellow to have done. Hmm, okay, B-Melo rewatch, anyone? I'm thinking of that. Also, fun fact, so the writer of this and Quartet, and also Mother, which was remade into a K-drama, and the Greatest Divorce or Matrimonial Chaos when it was remade into a K-drama. So Sakamoto Yuji, the writer, won the Best Screenplay Award at Cannes this year on, on Monster, which was directed by Hirokazu Koreeda. So I swear when I read that, when I found out about that, I was like, I'm so seated. I'm al- I'm already seated. Wherever Monster is showing, I am seated. <laughs> I'm so excited for this movie to wreck me but I haven't even watched Broker, so <laughs> I, it's on Hulu, guys. Brokers finally on Hulu, so I will, I'm, I'm gonna get to that. I swear, I swear. Anyway, um, yeah, go check My Dear Exes out. It's on Netflix, and I am on the hunt for another J-drama. I might try Dearest. That's also on Netflix. So far, that's what's intriguing me right now, but who knows? You know, I never make logical decisions. I have, you know, my list on Netflix. I have a plan to watch list. Do I ever follow that? No, I just watch whatever my mind decides on at the moment. So we'll see when we get another J-Drama episode. But yeah, that's it for me today. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you soon. Thanks for tuning in. Feel free to leave a comment, like, subscribe, follow, and tell me what you thought about today's episode. See you soon!